This is a Power 98.7 podcast. Now we're talking. Subscribe to Power 98.7 podcasts in iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. There's more on power987.co.za. Okay, so let's get to that story that, as I said, is the subject of our Twitter poll. The Justice and Correctional Services Minister, Ronald Lamola, has revealed that there are 774 prisoners who are over the age of 60 years that are currently serving life sentences in prison. Now, that's a hell of a lot. Like, those serving life sentences, not just those over 60. The minister says that the inmates were spread across the country. Most of the uh, prisoners are incarcerated in KwaZulu-Natal, Gauteng, and the East in Cape. Well, the economic freedom fighters have called for inmates aged between 60 and older who are serving these life sentences to be released on parole. The numbers announced were in response to a written question by the EFF a member of our parliament uh, to the minister um, of uh, correctional service, of justice and correctional services. Let's speak to criminal law expert Marius Dutoy joins us on the line. Good morning to you, um, Mr. Dutoy, and thanks so much for your time. Morning, Titi. How are you? Yeah, very well, thanks. Uh, I mean, firstly, this proposal on the face of it, it seems like a rather simplistic way of adjudicating one suitability to be placed on, on parole. Maybe just, just talk about the current dispensation when it comes to uh, um, age and obviously oh, health, first of all, and an age of an inmate. Okay, so presently as it stands, Titi, if you want to be paroled, you have to serve a predetermined period of your sentence. And that varies depending on the nature of the sentence that was imposed. But let's assume you qualify to be eligible to be placed on parole, then obviously mm. you would have attended all the programs, they would have recommended it, you would have appeared before the parole board, and then they would make a recommendation. If it is that you have fallen so badly ill in hospital that you are now a terminally mm. ill uh, inmate, well, then, of course, you can apply for medical parole. And you remind yourself of Shabi Yashak. Mm. He was given medical parole, and we don't have to delve into the merits of that, but... Mm. It was then determined at the time that he was suffering from a terminal illness. So that would be the basis upon which a person is paroled. It's not an age thing. You can't say that because the person is 40 years old or 50 years old, you can't be paroled. But when you're 60, you're now suitable to be paroled. Mm. But, but having said that, Titi, you have to say that the older a person gets, the less likely they are to commit crime. That is, that's a given. Mm. But it, that doesn't necessarily mean that if we have Michael Myers sitting in our prison, mm. and uh, we've all seen all 100 Halloween movies, that if he's now 60, we should parole him, I would be, I'd be very reluctant to agree to such a proposal, mm. even though it's a fictitious character. Mm. But what uh, when it comes to parole and consideration uh, for parole or conditions for parole, which trumps what, uh, which, I mean, a... Uh, you may be, it may be that uh, you are over the age of 60 or you are, you know, you are in advanced age and you are suffering from poor health, but you are still something of a danger to society or you're, you're deemed to be still, a, 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 you know, a danger to society. Which of those conditions for parole trumps the other? Yeah, so it's a delicate balancing act. Um, and that's why we have certain measures in place to ensure that at the time when the person's parole is recommended, that it would have gone through a number of hands, through a number of bodies, 
to ensure that this balancing act was satisfied and that you are a suitable person to be released under parole. But having said that, Tabi, so I've heard of many instances where recommendations were made to say this person is a complete psychopath mm. and he has tendencies to show that he should not be paroled, yet mm. that person is paroled. Mm. So I think it's a, it's a very difficult thing, perhaps, if you're an inmate, I can fully understand that you would want to be paroled as quickly as possible. If you represent the families, uh, the victim's family, then, of course, you would have a completely different perspective. Mm. But I think the rule of thumb is this. Our parole system is designed for a certain predetermined period that you have to serve. Mm. If you've served, uh, if you have a life sentence, in the past you had to serve, I think, 20 years or 25 years. Mm. Now you become eligible for parole after 15 years. But that does not mean to say that you automatically get parole. Mm. You still have to be recommended and presented before the parole board, and it still has to be sanctioned by the minister. So there are still checks and balances in place to say you should be paroled. However, if you talk about medical parole, well, that could happen at any stage. If you're mm. 25 years old and you're terminally ill, um, then, of course, you should be granted medical parole. So uh, to, to simply equate it to an age would be quite difficult. Because mm. what happens to the person, Tabiso, mm. that is 55 years old and gets three life sentences? Mm. So now after having served five years, we suddenly say, oh, you're 60, we should be released. Mm. So it would be improper to try and fix an age to it because each matter should be considered on its own merits. Mm. And recent history seems to tell us that there also seems to be a need to revisit uh, the regulations around the parole in the sense that uh, you know, it seems like who actually has the power, to, particularly medical parole, and we've seen how that has been abused. You mentioned mentioned the case of Shabir Sheikh, but a more recent case that was in the court was the medical parole given to the former president, um, Jacob Zuma. Are there too many loopholes there, or there's too much uh, subjectivity in terms of uh, you know what constitutes a terminal illness? I don't think there's a problem with the legislation as mm. such when it comes to the granting of medical parole to be so. I think the problem lies more in the application of it. You mm. know, if, if you are my best mate and you are now serving time and I'm the one that has to make a call, and if I'm a compromised individual, I would be inclined to grant you medical parole mm. because you're my friend and we have a long-standing history and so on. So I could influence the process. Mm. And that we've seen a number of times happen with influential people that were granted medical parole where everybody else frowned upon it. So we have to say, Titi, that at the end of the day, you know, even though you have checks and balances in place, I mean, we understand that Arthur Frazier went and he granted the medical parole for the for yeah. former president. Yet he's, the medical parole that he granted was thereafter adjudicated by the courts to, to have been um, uh, not done in a proper way. Mm. It should never have been granted. So mm. even though we have checks and balances in place, ultimately, there's the human factor that always remains. Yeah. And if that human or that person that's responsible for considering it, if he is a compromised individual, or if he has some sort of affinity for this person in some way, shape, or form, uh, then, of course, I could bring that personal element into the adjudication process which should actually be a dispassionate uh, consideration by a number of people. So, you know, I think it's, it's like many things. We might have the best mm. traffic laws, but mm. if it's not implemented by the officers on the ground, mm. the answer is not to give us more stringent traffic laws. The answer is to educate the officers better, to police it better. Mm. And I think that's what we need in the, in the, in the prison authorities. 
Very you know, sad. I think there's for many years there's been an outcry to say, why don't we have a life prison without parole? You know, we in the recent in the media, TT, we had that story of the lady whose throat was slit and she was raped and left for dead, whose two rapists and murder or attempted murderers are now being paroled mm. as well. Mm. And, you know, when those people are paroled, you would expect that a number of reports would have been obtained to say, is this person a candidate that can be reintroduced to our families mm. in society? And if that answer is no, well, it doesn't matter if you're 90, you should still remain inside. However, if you are, well, then you should be given parole. Maris Dutoy, criminal law expert, thank you very much for talking to us. I appreciate your time. Thank you, Titi. All right, there you go. In a moment, we'll get uh, the thoughts of uh, Golden Miles Bodu, who is an active uh, an activist for prisoners' human rights. We'll talk to him in a moment. Engaging and informative. Power Breakfast with TT on Power 98.7. 26 minutes after 8. Let's stay with that uh, subject. And an idea whose time has not come clearly, but judging by most of your responses uh, on Twitter and also uh, yeah, on our Twitter poll. But uh, what we're talking about is a call made by uh, EFF Member of Parliament for Smuzu Koza, um, who had put a question to the Minister of uh, um, justice and correctional services as to the number of uh, um, inmates that are over the age of 60 and serving uh, um, serving um, life sentences. He has called for them to be released on parole. Let's speak to um, Golden Mouse Budu. He's an activist for prisoners' human rights. Joins us on the line. Good to speak to you uh, this morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Can yeah. you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you loud and clear. It's just your take on this. I mean, in terms of uh, whether age can be a determiner in terms of whether someone's released or not. Um, well, I mean, because being released on parole on medical grounds is one thing, but just uh, because you're over a certain age is quite another. Thank you very much. Long before we get there, we appreciate Marius' legal mind and legal legalization and how the system is supposed to work, the parole and so forth, mm. the uh, intellectualization of the parole release policies and regimes. We also, in fact, want to make it abundantly clear that people like us are in the belly of the beast when it comes to all these things of parole, of amnesties, prisoners' rights, and so forth. In fact, we as an organization would have called for the EFF long before they make that statement that they must come and talk to us so that we, in fact, advise them and, to, and tell them that, look, they have started at the tail end of this debate. Mm. They should have come in the front door, not at the back door, Mangobe, with the intention to try and galvanize support for votes because the elections is around the corner. You know, we do have lifers. <clears throat> Sorry. Mm. The Van Fieren 1 and 2 judgment, constitutional court judgments, the Van, Van Vrij judgment, the Opa-Patla judgment. Now we've got far more frequently the um, Janus Wallus constitutional court judgments mm. that in fact indicate people 
that has been in prison, whose sentence were commuted from death sentence to life imprisonment before the 1st of October 2004, and those that were arrested, charged, and prosecuted before the 1st of October 2004 are still languishing in prison. Some of them are dying one by one. If they came here and told us that this is what they're going to raise in Parliament, we were going to advise them, we were going to support them, and we were going to say to them, Look, you are not opportunistic, Bafoui. Now you know what you're talking about. Mm. So this thing that people over the age of 60 must be released, it's just opportunistic, it's galvanizing. We need to talk about the real thing, and that is the judgments I've just gave you. Mm. It's constitutional judgments that should have created a precedent. Mm. You know, uh, there are people that should have been released from prison 15 years ago, Mm. 10 years ago, five years ago. They are languishing in prison because the executive has, in fact, interfered with the judiciary, the criminal justice system, Mm. and even the release and parole regime of the Department of Correctional Services. This is what we must talk about. Not talk about when it suits us, legalize this thing, intellectualize this thing, and want to use it as an electioneering fodder or electioneering sort of an instrument. Mm. That is where we are coming in from. You cannot just come here and speak English and go past. We are dealing with human beings here. And some of us have been here for the past 34 years fighting a losing battle in the forefront or in the face of mm. lawyers, ac- academics, intellectuals, uh, senior councils, uh, political parties, and so on, that don't talk about these things and don't want to have anything to do with what is happening in prison until such time it suits them and it is convenient for them. That's legal gurus, that's politicians, okay. that is opportunity. Mm. We're not going to allow this for you to. All right, Golden Miles Abudu, thank you very much uh, for coming on. He's an activist, of course, uh, uh, fighting for prisoners' uh, rights and saying that this is uh, not a good entry point into this discussion because they've been fighting long for the rights of prisoners who've been languishing in prison that should have been released uh, long ago. And I think if you do check, actually, a lot of um, cases, there have been so many cases of people who are terminally ill but have been denied or repeatedly denied um, a parole that are already within the system. And it always comes to light, especially when these high-profile cases of um, medical parole uh, you know, come uh, in the news. You've been listening to a Power 98.7 podcast. For more podcasts, visit power987.co.za or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.